Welcome back, baseball fans. Rounding third, the baseball podcast, episode 17. This is officially the end of our coverage of the free agency frenzy that has followed the lockout ending. Uh, we're going to talk about majority of the big name free agents that have signed. This will round that out. Still waiting on Trevor's story, which we'll include in just a normal podcast episode. That being said, roll the intro. Today, Today. I consider myself the luckiest man on the face of the earth. Lots of news this week. Um, we, we've seen, like you mentioned in the intro, I mean, this is going to be all about the free agents. We've seen pretty much all the big names signed since we did our last episode. We'll talk about Freddie Freeman, Nick Castellanos, Carlos Correa, Chris Bryant, Anthony Rizzo, and the Matt Chapman trade, um, which we've kind of, you know, touched on the A's a bit. We've touched on a couple of these teams the past couple weeks, but um, yeah, let's jump into it. I mean, how are you feeling about these signings? Um, since, uh, I guess, when was our last episode? Tuesday or something, we've seen pretty much everybody sign. And I'll, I'll let you kick off this first one because it's close to home and probably the biggest name out there, uh, the 2020 MVP and reigning World Series champion. I'll kick it to you. Well, that particular one I am over the moon about. Uh, obviously, you're kicking around one Frederick Freeman, Los Angeles Dodger. Uh, so definitely a long-term solution at first base. Six years, he'll be donning the Dodger Blue $162 million contract. Um, you know, look, this is a guy where we recorded, I know we recorded and talked about the potential of this, and I wasn't too up on the prospect. And that's because, honestly, I didn't believe it to be true. So I'm like, I'm not going to start doing cartwheels and front flips only for this cat to re-sign in L.A. Um or look at any of the other teams that wanted him. I think any MLB team who didn't already have a, you know, MVP caliber first baseman was in the running in the sense that you had to at least like text him and be like, Hey, Hey Freddie, you know, have you thought about being on the Cardinals? Like I know we have Goldschmidt, but like, would you want to do it? Um, but yeah, I mean, it's a huge signing. I think Freddie Freeman, obviously, incredibly good player, you know, batted 300 batting average with 31 homers, 83 ribbies last year. So uh, he's he's a very good player. I'm stoked that they have the team or that they signed him. But I will say it's it's a little out of control, this Dodgers lineup. I guess I'll kick that back to you to uh, start seeing maybe a little more of an unbiased take. But, like, your team is a National League team if you want to go to a World Series you most likely will have to play L.A. Um, right. How do you feel having a lineup against this lineup? <laughs> I mean, I don't feel great. I mean, look, this is probably one of the greatest lineups ever constructed by a Major League Baseball team. Um, I mean, you have Mookie Betts, Freddie Freeman, Trey Turner, Cody Bellinger, Will Smith. Max, Max Muncy, Justin Turner. I mean, the, the, it, the names just keep going. Plus a pitching staff with Walker Bueller and um, Julio, all these great players. 
I mean, it's tough to be going against the only, you know, maybe positive side from a Cardinal perspective is you're in the NL West um, and the NL Central is a little bit lackluster. So I'm still, you know, once you're in the playoffs, anything can happen. But Freddie Freeman, I mean, six years, 162 million, um, 57 million of that is deferred over the 13 years following his contract. So until 2040, he'll be getting paid. Um I mean, there's not much else you can say really about Freddie Freeman. He's a fantastic baseball player. Obviously, he's been on the big stage the past couple of years with the deep playoff runs by the Braves. Uh, last year, I mean, 300, 500, or 500 plus on base, 896 uh, slugging. The only question I would have is like, you look, if you look back to Albert, and not to keep bringing up the Cardinals, but you look back to Albert Pujols after we won the World Series in 2011, he jumped ship, went to LA. Uh, the angels and wanted to continue his career there. And it wasn't as successful as maybe people have hope would have hoped for um, given how good he was. And there was a big decline and they ended up having this monster contract that they wanted to get rid of. I, I you know, I, I think it's too ridiculous to say the same thing's going to happen. I think Freddie Freeman's a different player, but at the same time, I mean, he's, he's not a young guy anymore. He's getting up there in age. Um, you're going to have him for six years. So you're really banking on him, one, staying healthy and one, continuing to produce at a high level. But look, I mean, he's one of the top left-handed first basemen, if not the top first baseman in all of baseball. He's a silver slugger. He's an MVP. He's a gold glove. He's a World Series champion. He's an all-star. And just putting, you know, putting him on any team is great, but putting him on a team that's already star-studded, um, it's really World Series or bust for the Dodgers this year. I mean, clearly. So, you know, there's not much more to say. The Dodgers got their guy. The Dodgers got an amazing first baseman. I mean, look at that infield now. Uh, or look at that whole that whole team now. Either your outfield with Mookie and Cody, the infield with um, Freddie Freeman, Trey Turner, Justin Turner. Um, we'll see how uh, Max Muncie fits in it at all. I imagine they'll DH him, right? Well, so there's kind of a lot of options because in all of this, it's also lost that this year they've re-signed Chris Taylor. You also have Chris Taylor vying for either that left field spot or that second base spot. But what I've heard a lot is potential DHs would be Max Muncy or A.J. Pollock because Chris Taylor can play the outfield or the infield. Um, and that's kind of – you also, not to mention, I have Gavin Lux, who I think it's critical you get at-bats for him because I think he's going to be a very, very good player. But, like, you can't develop if you're not seeing the ball. I wouldn't even be that upset if they traded him just for his career's benefit because um, I think he's too good to get at-bats in AAA. I mean, he's probably hit 400 at this point in AAA. Um, but I don't know. I mean, there's a lot that can happen. But I agree. I mean, it is just a terrifying roster where, like, you look at, like, you know, you look at the hypothetical roster and you look at their bottom three where normally your pitcher's like, okay, I can ease back here. And their bottom three is Justin Turner, Chris Taylor, and A.J. Pollock. That's not, like, that is not a sit back and relax type lineup. They will devastate you. So I can't wait to watch it. Um, other things, like, you know, on the non-baseball side, Freddie Freeman's a great guy. He's fun to watch. I mean, up there for one of the more likable players. Um, obviously, I think the Braves and Dodgers have had as two of the premier teams in the National League over the last three, four years. They've had some good battles back and forth, so certainly got their time of seeing each other. Um, I know 
Freddie mentioned that Justin Turner has been recruiting him for five years now. So he finally got his wish. And it actually sounds like Justin Turner was instrumental in this signing and has been in contact with him for a while, especially over the lockout period because management couldn't. Um, And before, because like you said, there's not too much to touch on. There's two little side stories I want to tell on the Freeman trade. And then we're good to move on. But that would be, I think, Freddie Freeman played this right in the fact of, well, there, I've seen conflicting stories. My assumption initially was that Freddie Freeman told the Braves, hey, your offer's not going to get it done. It's not competitive with what else I'm getting. And told them this so they could make that trade and get Matt Olson, you know, to keep the organization fresh, have him not scrambling to find the first baseman. So initially, that's what I thought. A couple days ago, the news comes out that from Freddie Freeman's dad, who was with him during all this journey, said that Freddie, for the Braves never told Freddie Freeman, hey, we're moving on from you. We're going to do this Matt Olson thing. You know, thanks for mm. everything. Wish you the best. Never reached out to him. Freddie Freeman was just sitting there and saw on Twitter, like you or I would see, Max, that the Braves traded for Matt Olson, which obviously, like, they were never going to make that trade and then um, keep Freddie. So, you know, I think that. It sounds like that side, that story is true that the Braves didn't tell him, which to me is a little screwed up for a guy who played so long there and won an MVP and won a World Series. And I think they obviously have to retire him or put him in their ring of honor. You could talk statues. I mean, Freddie Freeman is Mr. Braves of the last two decades. So I think them not telling him kind of a scumbag move. I mean, I get it's business, but there's certain players where it's like bigger than business. Like, for L.A.'s perspective, like Clayton Kershaw. If if Andrew Freeman screwed over Clayton Kershaw like that, I would ask for him to be fired. That's the best GM in baseball, and I would not be happy with that. So don't like how the Braves treated uh, Freeman there, but it doesn't really matter because he's on the Dodgers and uh, he can get them back on the diamond if he so pleases. Yeah, and not to mention he's from Southern California, so – you know, he's, he's back at home. He gets to, you know, take his whole family there, live at home. Um, but, yeah, I, I did read that, too, that the, the Braves didn't tell him. That's it, It's interesting. You know, it, it seems like, I don't know. I, 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 I assume it wasn't out of malicious intent, but what can you do? Um, yeah, I mean, we've got a ton of signings to go through. Let's jump to the next one. This one happened yesterday, I believe. But we have... Um, Former Red, Nick Castellanos, and we don't need to harp on the Reds any longer. We kind of knew Castellanos was going to move on after he opted out of his contract. But Nick Castellanos signed a five-year, $100 million contract with the Philadelphia Phillies. Um, I think this is awesome uh, for the Phillies, obviously. Um, I think that team is going to be really, really good. They also signed Kyle Schwarber to a four-year, $80 million contract. Um, so now you have Nick Castellanos, Kyle Schwarber, and pairing them with Bryce Harper, the reigning NL MVP, JT Realmuto, um, around a pitching staff with Zach Wheeler and Aaron Nola, who are very good pitchers. If, um, if Castellanos can, you know, stay at the productivity level that he's had in the past couple of years, I think this team can be really, really good. Um, Nick Castellanos is now 30 years old. He's been in the MLB for nine years. He had his best season by far last year. Um, batting 309, 34 homers, 100 RBIs, and now moving to Philadelphia. If he can keep up that productivity, that's a really good team. The only question is, 
and I feel like we, we talk about this all the time with these NL East teams, is the NL East is so good. Um, obviously, you have the reigning World Series champs, Braves, and you know even though they lost Freddie Freeman, they have an, a terrific team, and they're still making moves left and right, signing great players. Um, plus, you have the Mets, who have you know the largest payroll in baseball, pretty much, with and an insane pitching staff with Scherzer and Degrom, plus some bats like Alonzo and Francisco Lindor, and some great players. So it's it's a really competitive division in the NL East. Um, so we'll have to see how they they fit in there. But I like this team. I like this move. Um, they've got a lot of big sluggers on their team. They're the type of players you want to surround Bryce Harper with. We'll see what the productivity level is, but I think this is great for Philadelphia. Yeah, and I mean, I would jump off that first point. I just want to talk about the Braves, who, while losing Freddie Freeman, who's arguably the best free agent in this class, I genuinely believe the, the Braves got better. I think they actually are a better team now than they were when they just won a World Series. So that's pretty terrifying. And I'm not sure that the Braves are the best team in their division. So I think the same way that the NL West last year was, I think, you know, maybe some bias, but pretty clearly the best division. I think the NL East this year, I mean, as a Dodgers fan, I wouldn't want the Dodgers lineup competing in this division. Right. I mean, it is a scary, scary division. It's been interesting when Phillies first signed Bryce Harper. I wasn't really sure the direction. Then they gave JT Realmuto that ridiculous contract, which I still don't think he's lived up to. But it's pretty hard when you pay a catcher like that for him to live up to it. Still very good. But this team is really starting to find some direction. And as you mentioned, they have one of the best staffs in the league as well. You know, now I think going out and getting Castellanos and Schwarber together, it's been kind of a nuclear arms race in the NL East um, between the Braves pursuing that and the Mets. I mean, the Mets have bought in really heavily to the pitching. Just smart, the Braves have good pitching. I I mean, it is good bats. It's good pitching through all these three teams that are going to dominate that league. You know, and this is also not to forget, like, the Marlins – who have Jazz Chisholm, who I may, I, he may be the player most excited to watch this season. He's supposed to be Mr. Electric 2.0. So it's going to be a heck of a division. Um, and the Nationals signed Nelson Cruz. Yeah, I mean, and that's it. The Nationals haven't folded either or given up, and they have Strasburg and Juan Soto, who's arguably the best young player in the league. So even the worst team, who I would say the two worst teams, have reasons to tune in and watch. NL East, I think, is going to be must-watch baseball especially down the stretch, given this trade. Because now Philadelphia, in my opinion, is as competitive as the Mets and Braves. That's my question to you, Max. How do you feel about that statement? Are they as competitive with these two signings? I think they can be. I'd see the thing about um, the, the, the thing about the Phillies, I think, is they're, they're extremely volatile. Um, I think they could be very, very good. But they also might not be great, you know, and they might be stuck with this big payroll. I think you look at players like Castellanos and Kyle Schwarber, they they were extremely productive last year, but throughout their careers, they haven't been those types of players. Um, they've they've been productive, but la- the past couple of years, you've seen, especially last year, Castellanos and Schwarber both were playing out of their minds. Both were getting a lot of hype around the deadline um, and both kind of carried some of those teams they were on. I don't know 
if they're going to stay that productive. And if they're not, I don't think this team will compete with those other two teams. You know, they could still get a, a wild card spot, of course, um, but it might be difficult having to play those tough teams all the time. So their record might just be a little worse than some of the teams in the other divisions. But I think if you get Bryce Harper to stay at MVP level, you get Kyle Schwarber to play like he did last year, you get Castellanos to slug at an over 300 level um, and keep his OPS high, hit over 30 home runs, um, and you get uh, a healthy Zach Wheeler, a healthy Aaron Nola to, to play at their caliber they're capable of for the majority of the season, I think they can compete with anybody in the National League, maybe the, except for the Dodgers. But I think they have a really good team. But we'll have to see if these big signings pay off because I think there's a lot of volatility with this team, but, you know, a very high ceiling. Yeah, I think, you know, I think that's a great read on on the situation. Uh, it's a little bit not related to this, but just to wrap this up so we don't have to touch on it later. Um, the Reds have, in my estimations, completed their fire sale by trading former first overall pick Amir Garrett. Uh, to the Kansas City Royals. So I just wanted to touch on that. We knew Castellanos was gone, but that was kind of the last piece, and Reds ownership is committed to keeping Luis Castillo, quote-unquote. He's moved by the deadline, if not before. That's You can write that down. That's a quote on it. the baseball podcast. Castillo is going to New York, or he's going to LA Angels. That's my uh, predictions early on. But, yeah, these are uh, big signings from Philly who – you know, Philly sports is always about the process. When it signed Bryce Harper, when they signed Bryce Harper, a little confused, they've seemed to really put the pieces around and compete. It just happens to be when there's two teams in their divisions that have ridiculous rosters as well. NL East, NL East must watch baseball. That extra wild card in the National League is clearly going to matter a ton. For sure. I mean, just like, and like before we go to Korea, like, just think of the players in the NL East, like top to bottom. Like you got Scherzer, you have DeGrom, you have Wheeler, Nola, and these are just pitchers. Um, Max Fried, Charlie Morton, the whole Braves pitching staff, Strasburg. Um, even in the Marlins, I think you have Alcantara and all these players. Um, and then from a playing standpoint, um, just Phillies, you have Bryce Harper, Castiano, Schwarber, Mets, you have Lindor, Alonzo. <clears throat> Braves, I mean, we've talked, they got Matt Olson. Um, they Acuna. still have, yeah, they, they Acuna is back. Ozzy Albies, Dansby Swanson, they might get Solaire back. He's one of those free agents that's still outstanding. They got Eddie Rosario back, who was incredible last postseason. We'll have to see how it plays out, but man, that division, that division's loaded. Um, but let's move to kind of the, the what seemed to be kind of the biggest name out in circulation, other than Freddie Freeman, kind of with the most intrigue around it that's carlos correa who signed only this morning to the minnesota twins which kind of came out of nowhere three years 105 million dollars he has an opt-out after each of the two seasons so you know this is likely going to be a short-term deal i don't expect carlos correa to be a twin for the long term i think that's kind of why he took this contract lots of money um for each year and you know if the twins are at the level they are last year, where they're kind of the bottom feeders of the AL Central, which I don't expect because they've you know made some improvements. But if they are, you could see Correa move by the deadline. But 
Three years, $105 million. It's the biggest free agent commitment in Minnesota Twins history, surpassing Josh Donaldson, who was traded last week to the Yankees. Um, I mean, Correa, one of the biggest question marks I have about him is his health. I mean, he seems to get injured a lot. He's only played over 110 games twice in his six seasons. But when he's there, and specifically in the postseason, he can perform. Um, I mean, James... The only question I have really is, do you think he's bringing his own trash can to Minnesota or will they have one there for him? (laughs) It's funny. I actually was going to cut in and say that really is my question. Um, And I don't know if he has his trash can that he loves from when he cheated the league uh, and won fraudulent World Series and his teammates won fraudulent awards. awards. Jose Altuve's AL MVP should be revoked. That was disgusting. But so I don't know if he likes old reliable that he's been using to cheat or if they'll have a nice one with his name and the Correa, you know, all embezzled and bejazzled or whatever he wants with it. Um, I've got to think that they I think they make one for him because, you know, Carlos Correa without a trash can might be the most useless player in Major League Baseball. Right. So I think he I think they make a real nice one with him for him. But I think he comes with old reliable um, and I think he brings it. and I think he's going to have a hard probably the hardest decision for him outside of when is he going to opt out of this contract and go to a different club is what trash can to use while he's banging in Minnesota. Um, now I will say that that's all in good fun. Um, I kid somewhat. Carlos Cray is still a cheating scumbag to me. So um, I don't think he'll ever be able to shed that reputation in my eyes. Um, but to me, this is really exciting stuff from the Twins. You had the Twins have a pretty strong roster two years ago, and you thought they would get the monkey off their back. I believe it's 19 straight seasons where they have not won a playoff game, and they've been to the playoffs multiple times in that stretch, just cannot win a single game. Uh, unfortunately, they kept that streak alive two years ago. Last year was obviously a, a way off year. Um but I think it's I think it's going to be really interesting to see what this Twins team can do. They've obviously done a major retool, brought in Sonny Gray. Um, you have Sanchez, Gio Urshela. Um, it's going to be interesting. And I actually watched uh, Gary Sanchez play the other day in their spring training game versus the uh, Red Sox, which was brutal. They got destroyed by the Red Sox. But uh, – you know, he looks excited. It sounds like the media sound bites. He's excited for a bit of a fresh start. You can't forget this Minnesota team also has Byron Buxton, who's an absolute weapon. Um, you know, it's going to be interesting. I think this Minnesota team could maybe make some noise in an NL Central, um, or not, sorry, in an AL Central uh, division that is a little lackluster, I would say. I mean, right. competing against some teams you know Detroit I don't think that Javi Baez moved anything I don't think I don't expect them in the playoffs anytime this decade so um, same with the Guardians we'll see but exciting to see the Twins if you're a Twins fan you have to at least be excited that management and ownership is trying to retool and, and compete right no I think that's a good point with the AL Central it's like it's like yeah you're adding these pieces like Sonny Gray Gio Urshela Gary Sanchez, Carlos Correa, who are all, you know, pretty solid players. Obviously, Correa is an all-star caliber player. Um, But in a division like the AL Central, where you have the Tigers, who aren't really going to compete this year, the Royals, who, you know, have made some moves. They got Zach Granke. um, They got Amir Garrett. 
but I don't expect them to make a lot of moves. You know, I can't expect them to get the same type of output from Salvador Perez that they got last year. Um, and then the Guardians, who, you know, have Jose Ramirez, they have Shane Bieber, they have some pieces, but but overall, I don't think they're in a position to really compete in the playoffs. So it's really between the Twins with this loaded up roster and the Chicago White Sox, who are, you know, the clear, clear favorites in the AL Central. But the Twins might be able to sneak into a playoff spot. You know, they are still going to be playing against some of those lackluster teams like the Tigers, like the Royals in that division where they might be able to pick up some wins. And with the extra wild card spot, um, they might be able to sneak in there. And, you know, we've seen what Carlos Correa can do in the postseason. I think this is a good thing for the Twins. I mean, you have to be happy if you're a Twins fan. I, I don't remember seeing the Twins' name in circulation for Correa, kind of as the rumors have been going around. It's always, it, it's really seemed like it was going to be him back to Houston. But I think he liked the short-term deal where he could test the market again next year um, or the year after that. But I like the move for the Twins. I think this is a good year for them to try to push into the playoffs. And like, like we've been saying, once you're in the playoffs, like anything can happen. Your pitchers get hot. Your batters get hot. You can win a series against anybody at any time. Um, that's one of the best reasons baseball playoffs are so great. Yeah, I think, you know, the move from a Twins perspective, uh, I think you also have to realize, okay, the AL East is insanity. I mean, they are going to be viciously beating each other up. There are four teams that could genuinely win that division. So that's going to be brutal. The AL West, I think there's a couple teams that are stronger off, but I think the Twins are going to benefit more than anything because I still think the White Sox win the division. Quite frankly, I think the White Sox sure. uh, are World Series contenders. Very good ball club. For sure. But I think the advantage of just beating up on the Guardians, the Tigers, and the Royals may actually take the Twins to steal that last wild card spot over an AL East team who is regularly dropping games to better quality clubs. I think it's brilliant work from the GMs to say, hang on, this is our year. Let's put our chips in now. Let's connect some of these pieces. And, I mean, this is not a bad lineup, right? Byron Buxton, you got to imagine he's leading off. Uh, but you've got Correa. I mean, you've got Sanchez, Gio, Urshela. Like, it's a pretty solid lineup that I think is going to be much better than its competition. Overall, the central – just Central is weak. NL Central, AL Central is weak. Max, I think that your team is going to be a huge beneficiary of that. Um, right. Like that's, that, yeah, that's kind of how I feel about this. It's kind of like the Cardinal Brewers situation where they're able to get a lot of wins against poorer teams that might propel them into one of those playoff spots from – you know, maybe a team that's a little more talented. And I think that's similar here. You know, you mentioned the AL East where you have the Blue Jays, the Red Sox, the Yankees. Um, but I think, yeah, the Ray, the Rays. And then you look at the AL West. Obviously, we have Oakland kind of doing their fire sale. But you have the Mariners, who we touched on, who can be a really big contender. You have the Rangers, who picked up uh, Simeon and Corey Seager. You have the Angels, who have Shohei Otani, Mike Trout, um, they can really make some moves. They have Syndergaard now, too. And then you still have Houston, who even though they lost Correa, they still have Altuve, they still have Bregman, they have Verlander back. Um, that's a tough division. So each night you're going to be seeing those teams beat up on each other that a team like the Twins, who's going to be playing maybe a weaker schedule, has a chance to steal one of those playoff spots from a team like the Angels or like the Rangers. 
I think I'm willing to go on the record now and say this is the year. I think the Twins get the monkey off their back. Not sure they win a series, but I think they at least win a playoff game in the year 2022. I guess we'll have to see. Um, but yeah, let's jump into the the next player. Um, you know, the, the, we're just kind of going through these players. There's a lot of big signings the past couple days, as we expected. But this will kind of wrap up the the free agency um, discussions we've had. We've had we have three more people to talk about, um, and maybe some minor side notes at the end. Chris Bryant, you know, he's it's crazy we're talking about him fourth because he's maybe one of the top players, if not one of the top, if not you know one of the best players in all of baseball. He signs with the Colorado Rockies. Seven years, $182 million. Um, it's interesting, to say the least. Look, Chris Bryant, real quick, 2016 MVP, four-time All-Star. Last year, he obviously was on the Cubs, traded to the San Francisco Giants. Uh, he's batted 265, 353, 444. He kind of can do it all. Played first, third, basically every outfield position. Um, he can obviously DH. It's an interesting choice of a team to go through. I think the, the obvious thing would be the money is what he's going there for. But you're going to a team that, you know, I just don't really see competing. They're going to lose Trevor Story, most likely. Um, and obviously they lost Nolan Arenado a couple years ago to the Cardinals um, after, after he was only two years into his nine-year $275 million contract. So they offloaded that contract, and now they're picking up Chris Bryant. Um Look, I'm high on Chris Bryant. I think he's a really, really good baseball player, obviously. Um, I even think he might be a little bit underrated these days. He's a big guy. He can really hit for power. He can really um, hit it into the gaps and get on base. We'll have to see how he works in Colorado, You know, a hitter-friendly ballpark. We expect his numbers to go up, him to hit a lot of home runs. But from a winning perspective, I mean, look, he's in the NL West now competing against your Dodgers, the Padres, the Giants, um, and really the only other team that's, you know, not great is the the Diamondbacks, but they've got some young pieces. I don't expect them to do well, but it's just a tough division to go to, especially when you're going to one of these fringe teams like the Rockies who, you know, haven't had a lot of momentum um, in this offseason or, or in the years past. So it's, it's an interesting move. You're kind of seeing this with a lot of moves, right? Correa going to the Twins. Well, are, are the Twins kind of in the mix? Maybe, like we said. Um, but Chris Bryant, Colorado Rockies. James, what, what are your thoughts on this? Yeah, and, and first I'll just comment on what you said. It has been great, the free agency. There's been a lot of parity this year, um, which I like to see because the typical – beef is that it's a bidding war between the Yankees and the Dodgers. Maybe the Red Sox steal a player and free agency's done. So it's been nice to see some parody and see some ones that you're like, oh, well, that's a little interesting. This is the most confusing contract I have seen signed in 10 years of following baseball. Literally, I, I still, I have since this deal was signed, every day I pit mental horsepower into trying to figure out what just happened, and I cannot pit, get a pulse of this situation. Now, I mean, obviously, I saw some tweet today. The Rockies GM went like, yeah, Chris Bryant's really good, and he can help us win. And it's like, okay, yes, I agree with that. Fundamentally, Chris Bryant is one of the best third basemen of baseball. 
what I and I understand from Chris Bryant's side, if he's just like, hey, I'm going to go to Colorado, enjoy the mountains, these dispensaries, and get paid more than anywhere else. But like you said, I don't give a single chance at this team winning or making the playoffs in the slightest. I think Chris Bryant, if he had a home run every single at bat, every single at bat, which I'm willing to go out on a limb and say he does not hit a home run in every single at bat of 2022. But if he does, I still think they would lose half their games to the Dodgers with him going four for four with four home runs. Because it's like, yeah, there's just no. I mean, I saw a tweet that Adam was rolling on the floor that it's uh, Chris Bryant and Rymel Tapia. Like that is called And that's like, that is, that's their two best offensive players. And like, no offense to Rymel Tapia. Like you're great at being like a quick, you know, lead off outfielder, but like you wouldn't, make the 40-man roster on the Los Angeles Dodgers, who you'll be playing every third week. So I don't care from that side. Like you said, Chris Bryant's great, but, like, even Mike Trout can't move the needle and make the Angels make the playoffs. So, like, how is Chris Bryant going to, you know, I don't know. How is he going to move the needle? And the biggest thing that confuses me here is, like, if you want to keep – like, they were competitive. Four years ago, they were in game 163 with the Dodgers. Like, they were had a competitive team. Um, and like you said, they had Nolan Arenado, who in my opinion is by far the best third baseman in baseball. Like, if there's really one player I'm most jealous of in the league, it probably would be Nolan. So it's like, why did you let this franchise cornerstone leave to then pay someone else nearly identical contract? Um who, in my opinion, it's a little bit worse. And then why are you going to let Trevor Story leave, who at least is, like, the fans know? Like, from, like, the business side of baseball, it makes no sense to part with Story then. Like, he's your best chance of getting butts in chairs. Maybe they're working on bringing Story back behind the scenes. Maybe they extend him, and, and that's the uh, that's the hope there, um, that they bring that back, and it makes a splash. But once again, it's Trevor Story and Chris Bryant with that pitching staff and no other weapons enough to make the playoffs in a loaded NL West? I don't think so. So, I mean, I guess props to Chris Bryant. Enjoy the high elevation. You should hit 40 home runs at minimum in Coors Field. And uh, that's it. I mean, I'm most happy he's not back to San Francisco or San Diego. To me, that's the biggest part of this deal. Right, yeah. I mean, I I think you hit the main points. Um and I, I do think it's different ownership now than the, the ownership that paid the Cardinals $50 million to take Nolan Arenado's contract. Um, but it just seems like they're going back to kind of that one big name player and they're going to lose everybody else and they're not going to really compete in the NL West. And I guess that's that, you know, I mean, I don't think they're a playoff team. I think Chris Bryant's going to get paid. He's going to put up good numbers, but I don't think they're, that's going to carry them. Um, We'll have to see how it plays out, I guess. I mean, good for Chris Bryant. He's getting a bag, $182 million over seven years. Gets to live in Colorado. Um, that sounds like a vibe. But in terms of competing for World Series championships, I don't think this is going to do it. I mean, he got his in 2016. Maybe he's ready to just take the bag and, and enjoy life. So can't blame think, him. Much. Max, here's my question. Would you say that Freddie Freeman and Chris Bryant cancel each other out? Obviously, different type of players, but like their value to a baseball team. Uh, 
you said Brian and Arenado? No, um, Brian and Freddie Freeman. Oh, um, I mean, I think I think Freddie pro- provides more value. If I'm being honest, so, so you actually think Freddie provides more value? Um, you know, actually, I think it's a lot closer because the one reason I say that is because Chris Bryant is a lot more dynamic as a fielder. He can, you know, he's kind of been playing all over the place. He can play outfield. He can play play both corners of the infield and still hit at a high level. But I, th- I think Freddie Freeman just brings a, a different set of assets just in terms of the way he carries himself and the way he leads that team. Um, I let's, See, I would rather have Chris Bryant, to be honest. I would rather have Chris Bryant. Let's say for argument's sake that their values around equal because we can get into the minutiae, you know, like you said, different tools, whatever, but roughly the same value. Sure. All right. If they're the same value, then you have to look at, okay, so they went one-to-one. Dodgers bring in Freeman. They bring in Chris Bryant. So now let's compare the rest of the lineup. All right, so Mookie Betts and Rymel Tapia go into your number two. Not even worth saying those names together. And that's just it. Like, that's my whole point. It's like, okay, you made this giant splash that maybe equalizes the Dodgers' most recent splash, but their roster – now at every other position is so far ahead of you that you can't even compare the names without laughing. So it's like, I mean, you're paying all this. And if, if you're the Rockies, I think from an organizational perspective, you need to save as much capital as you can and wait for the down year when the Padres are slipping or the Dodgers are slipping or the Giants are go all in that year, similar to what the Twins have done here, and go, okay, this is our year if we're going to make the push. Because unfortunately, the organizations around you are too good for you to ever really compete in this yeah. fashion. I mean, the one good thing is, look, you have him locked down for seven years. So you have time, right? They're obviously not in win-now mode, but you have time to maybe get some pieces around him. It's kind of just tough in Colorado because no pitchers want to go there because you're just going to give up a lot of home runs and your your pitching stats aren't going to look good. But, you know, they do have time, so they can build around him if possible. But, yeah, it's an interesting choice. All right. I, th- I mean, I think to me that's about everything there is to speak on the Bryant thing. Like you said, good for him. I don't really understand it. I don't think anyone really is ever going to understand this one, but that's Rockies baseball for you. Yeah, I agree. Let's stay in the AL East. I think this one will be – well, not stay in the AL East, but go to the AL East. This one will be kind of quick. Um, Anthony Rizzo. Sign, re-signs with the New York Yankees. Two years, $32 million. He can opt out next year. Um, you know, I, I, I kind of think Anthony Rizzo's fallen off a little bit the past couple of years. He obviously had a fantastic year when they won the World Series, but last year he's batted under 250, only has a 344 on base, 440 slugging. Um, the one thing is, you know, he fits into what the Yankees are looking for, which is a lefty in that right-handed heavy rotation. You know, the batting lineup that they have. Um, so getting that into their lineup is good. Um, they now have an all-star at first base. They have an all-star at second base, Gleyber Torres. They have uh, Josh Donaldson at third, who's a former MVP. And they have uh, Gold Glover Isaiah Kenner-Falefa, who we talked about the other day, who's you know a dynamic young player who can be great in the field. So they have a pretty good infield. Um, I, I just... I don't buy into this Yankees team, especially in the AL East with the Rays and the Blue Jays who are getting better, and even the Red Sox who you know made a run last year. Um, but 
you know, it is what it is. Anthony Rizzo, I think he's past his prime. I don't think he'll get back to that level. Um, but, you know, the Yankees needed a lefty in their lineup, and they got him with Anthony Rizzo. What do you think? Yeah, I, I will say it will always be wrong to me, Anthony Rizzo not in a Cubs uniform. Um, right. I think that you can't ever make that severability. Um, I'll also say I had a buddy who's a huge Cubs fan who was devastated at this news and was a, was certain 110% that Rizzo was going to come back and sign with the Cubs, which I was laughing about because I was like, that's pretty much not going to happen. Um, you know, I don't think this moves the needle at all. Anthony Rizzo, he's a great guy for baseball. You know, he definitely still has a spot in the league and deserves to be on the league. But when you're the Yankees trying to compete in that AL East division, I mean, this is a non-story. It's a non-starter. Like you said, you, you get some clubhouse benefits, some leadership benefits, that lefty in the lineup, a very a rock at first baseman who can dig stuff out. But, I mean, doesn't really move much. I think it barely a story. Um, hopefully Rizzo makes a little bit of a, a bounce back, uh, a resurgence of his career. But I don't know. I don't think this Yankees team has nearly done enough this offseason. Yeah, I mean, they so they got Josh Donaldson, like we talked about, and I, you you even said you didn't think that was a needle mover. Um, and now they got Anthony Rizzo. Yeah. See, I, I expect this team to maybe even finish fourth in the AL East, only ahead of Baltimore. We'll see. Um, I've heard rumors about them extending Aaron Judge, who I think has been has criminally underperformed these past couple of years. Um, you know. We'll see how this team plays out. But let's stay in the AL East. Let's move to Matt Chapman. Uh, so, real quick, go ahead. Go ahead. Before you go onto the Matt Chapman, I'll just say this is a good time. Because this Yankees lineup has so many bats, they actually had too many people to know what to do. They traded Luke Voigt to the San Diego Padres for a minor league pitcher who I don't think will ever materialize. I don't even have the name on that. It was more of a let's not have Luke Voigt complaining and in the clubhouse and let's dump his 5 million to make room to pay all these guys. Um, but I think that is meaningful for the Padres as far as uh, Fernando Tatis is out because that at least gives them another bat dynamic bat. But so that's part of the end of the Yankees. I thought if the Yankees were going to win with this line, if they actually needed to keep those guys and you needed some of that Luke Voigt action off the bench, um, so, yeah, I think with that being said, the Yankees are kind of the Yankees uh, again. And as you said, now let's talk needle movers, in my opinion, of the AL East. Matt Chapman traded to the Blue Jays. Yep, Matt Chapman traded to the Blue Jays. Blue Jays continue to make some moves. Um, traded for fourth prospects, which kind of shows you where the Blue Jays are at. They're ready to win now. Um, he spent his first five years in Oakland. It's a little bit interesting because last year he didn't have a good year at all. He only batted 210 with 27 homers, only at a 400 slugging percentage. Um, and, you know, he had a fantastic year, I think 2017, 2018, where he was batting high 200s, like 278 or something. Um, and ever since then, he's been declining. He's a great defensive third baseman, but he hasn't really been performing at the plate. Obviously, Oakland's not an easy place to hit in. But I would be a little skeptical at that. But either way, um, I think Matt Chapman's a good third baseman for them to pick up. Now you have Matt Chapman, Bo Bichette, um, and Vladimir Guerrero Jr., who um, I forget if he DHs or plays first, a little bit of both. They also signed Kevin Gossman. Um, 
didn't no Chris Bassett went to New York, but you know they they've got a really uh, good lineup to really compete in the AL East, which is kind of weak. Obviously, we just talked about it. Baltimore, I don't think the Yankees are real. The the Red Sox, you know, may be able to continue the the amazing year they had last year that was kind of shocking. Um, and then you have the Rays, who always seem to be able to put together a solid. Um, a solid season, kind of like the Utah Jazz or something, where they just kind of have these these players who are pretty good and they always seem to win. They always seem to get in the playoffs, but never seem to do much. Um, I mean, I guess they went to the World Series a couple of years ago, but um, I well, this is interesting. Um, I think it's a good addition to a to a young Blue Jays team that's making moves, trying to put these young guys in a position to compete, and I think it does that. Um, how do you feel about Matt Chapman heading to the AL East? Well, I actually think it's going to be a huge resurgence moment for him. I'm expecting him to bring that average up for the first time. His average has dropped each season since 2018. I'm expecting that to actually increase. Um, in Toronto, I think this was a great trade. Um, if you look at what really Vlad Guerrero Jr. and Bo Bichette, and like, this isn't lost on me, it's another scumbag cheater, but George Springer is on this Blue Jays team. I forgot about that. And, you know, that's a pretty good bat. He's a scumbag. Um, I know that he did not – he brought his own trash can from Houston. That's reported. That's quoted. The Blue Jays did not support that. Um, they actually won't let him use the trash can in Toronto, which is causing some locker room issues. But besides that, this is a really good team that really was on the fringe of making a lot of noise, and they're only getting what I would say much better, I think, with this Matt Chapman just to have that presence that if anything, just to have Matt Chapman there to keep coaching Vlad Guerrero Jr., who's going to be, who already is one of the best players in baseball with tremendous upside and just not even, I can't even say there's a ceiling on how good he can be. So, um, yeah, I re- I'm really big on this Toronto team. I know that they're still, they're trying to get the Indians, sorry, the Guardians, going to start to get used to that, trying to get the Guardians to trade them Jose Ramirez, who they want to play at second. Um, if somehow, and I can't see how the Guardians can do that trade because they have him on a great team-friendly contract. If they do that trade, that infield would be bonkers. It would probably be the best infield assembled in the league instantly. But let's not even worry about what ifs. Just with Matt Chapman there, I think you have to make them the favorites in the AL East. I mean, the Rays always know how to make that team competitive. The Red Sox are explosive and fun to watch. But between the Yankees and Red, I mean, it's been a lot of lack of moves uh, in the AL East. We'll see. I imagine Wander Franco goes to be an everyday player over his 60 games he played last season. So They've got to if they're paying him that much. Yeah, I mean, that you have to, and that's really their only hope, I think, of them them continuing to win the AL East with this lineup. So it's going to be must-watch, but I think, like if I was a betting guy, and we'll get to doing division predictions, but the Blue Jays cannot be uh, understated as relevant in the AL East. They're going to be a scary team, and it's and I'd love to see them making moves. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I like what you said about you think this will be a bounce-back season. And look, if it is, then – you've got to expect this team to really, really compete at the high end of the AL East and the high end of the American League. Like you said, Vladimir Guerrero Jr., I mean, he would have won MVP last year if it wasn't for a historic season by Shohei. And he's a young guy. I mean, how old even is he? Like 20, 21? His upside is unbelievable. I saw some videos on Instagram today of him hitting bombs in spring training. Um, 
So, I mean, this is definitely a team to watch for. This is definitely a team that's on the hunt to make some noise in the American League and a team that's going to be really fun to watch. That's for sure. Um, But, yeah, I mean, that covers the six or so players that have made big moves since we last talked. James, I I know you want to pay respects to Kenley Jansen and some other things. I'll kick it to you. Yeah, um, ultimately, I wouldn't say that the rate or the rate the Braves got the last laugh because I don't think these players are comparable in any regard. But at least for Rays fans, you did get to cause a little bit of pain for Dodgers fans, which was probably sweet. Kenley Jansen was leaving LA after uh, a long 17 season stint since he was 17 years old in the Dodgers. Uh, system started as a catcher developed to be one of the best closers in the history of baseball Um, just looking at total wins total saves people are wondering where I get that from Um, obviously very important to the California brand and the Dodgers so very sad to see Kenley one of my favorite all-time Dodgers leave but he's doing what he has to do I wish him nothing but the best. No, oh, well, Kenley Jansen is a World Series champion in his last season with the Dodgers. It was one of the best seasons he's had in his career, which is really nice that he got to have that bounce back a bit in L.A. Very sad to see him go the best 74 to ever do it. Kenley Jansen, thanks for everything. On better news, which, by the way, once again, I know that's not a crazy signing with Kenley, but that's another piece going back to the Braves. I mean, they are shoring up everything on their roster. So, um can't be slept on. I think he was second in saves in all of baseball last year, so he's still got the sauce. Other fun piece of news to touch on, um, another one of my favorite players who left and hurt my heart, uh, Seager in Texas. They uh, actually reached out to Texas Rangers to Kyle Seager to see if he would unretire. Obviously, we talked about him retiring from the Mariners. They offered him to unretire, and he could play every day with Corey Seager, and that would be the left side of their infield, Kyle and Corey Seager. Pretty sick offer. He's also only 34 years old, so he's not really age or health-wise prohibited from playing. Um, But he actually declined, and he declined in a fashion of saying, I'm actually really enjoying doing my chores around the house every day. So I think Kyle Seager happy with this decision. No Tom Brady situation, not coming unretired to play with the brother. But that would have been an awesome story. just wanted to touch it out. I thought that was funny and a pretty classy move from the uh, Texas or from the Texas Rangers, which we'll see what, what they can do um, with their retool. You know, they're kind of slept on and not really talked about, but uh, they invested a 500 million in contracts. So we'll see what happens there. But with all that, that is pretty much the free agent frenzy. We still have Trevor story left on, which will be probably the last free agent we Talk about Danny Duffy signed another year with the Dodgers. I think he's going to have a meaningful season. But whatever, outside of that, it's just some miscellaneous contracts. But it has been such a treat to have baseball back and be able to just hop on and just talk baseball and not be digging in the stories or talking these negotiations. Um, Watching some of these spring training games has been great. And uh, I can't wait for the season to start. I am am itching. My neck's itching. I'm like an addict and uh, cannot wait for opening day. We are coming up, should be about two weeks away, right? Uh, a little less than three. Three weeks from yes, from Thursday. Like two, two, two and a half, pretty much. So we're, we're getting there. Never thought we'd have baseball back with the things, way things were going, but it's coming up. All right. Thank you guys for listening. Episode 17. Um, 
Our episode should be getting good coming up after this. Episode 18, we'll probably jump into division previews, what bets we like, and then just ramping up following spring training and getting ready for the 162 grind that is the Major League Baseball season. Um, We will talk to you guys next week or in the next couple days, whenever. (laughs) Bye.